Our scripture reading today is from John chapter 13, from verse 36 to chapter 14, from verse 1 to 6. And I read, Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly I tell you, before the roster crawls, you would disown me three times. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in, you believe in God. Believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. continue on in this series about the true identity of Jesus, this I Am series, we get to this fantastic text, and specifically, uh, it's been called a, a text of, of John's gospel. It really, really speaks to the heart of what John was trying to, to get across and, and, to, and to what the heart of the gospel is. This morning, um, we're already in the place where you know what the series is, I Am, uh, True Identity of Jesus, but I was always told in seminary that I needed to um, make sure that I had a title for each sermon, um, and so um, I, I, I always wondered why, because I was going to tell people what I was going to say anyway, so why do I have a title for it? It doesn't really help, and they said, well... Well, you know, because most churches, they have a marquee, and you need to have something for the marquee, which I thought, man, someone needs to tell some other pastors out there because there's some really bad titles um, out there. So for those of you that are interested in titles, the titles of of this sermon is, uh, Where Are You Going? Or, Where Are You Going? Or, Where Are You Going? Or, Where Are You Going? 
And it all depends on how you came into this place today. Depends on how you're about to hear the words I am going to say. When my wife and I, we first got married, we lived in an apartment um, a few miles that way. Uh, And uh, as we were gathering ourselves and figuring out what it meant to be married and kind of bumping into each other and not really knowing how to work all that stuff out. And, you know, the first couple of years, like, wait a second, you're in my space now and this is weird and all that stuff. There became this thing that was confusing to me, but has since then become a joke in our family. And that um, that is that exact question of, of where are you going? Um, my wife would ask me that question and I was um, super confused as to why she would want to know. Now, I, I, I get that, you know, in, uh, in families, this is a really important thing. You should tell your spouse, you should tell significant others, you should tell your parents, you should tell your kids where you are and really when you might be back. That's a really important way of communicating with people, of, you know, of fostering trust and care and whatnot. I mean, we do that, uh, you know, in, in, in the flying industry, people who are pilots, they tell people, well, I'm leaving now and I should be there then. People that are hiking, that are going on long hikes or short ones well, should say, should say, should say that they're going now and they'll come back at a, at a particular point in time. We do that for going to the grocery store. We do that for going to all these places. And I think one of the things that caught me off guard was that, see, I wasn't, I wasn't doing any of that stuff. <laughs> Uh, See, this is how it would work in my family. So we would be both sitting at the table uh, and we would be finishing dinner or something like that. And I would get up from my chair and I would take two steps and she would say, where are you going? Um, I'm going to to the kitchen. It's right right here, it's the kitchen. Or we'd be sitting on the couch and we'd have, you know, watched something or played some cards or something like that. And and, and I would say, okay, I gotta get, all right. And I would get up and she'd say, where are you going? Like, "Um, I gotta, I don't know, the bathroom. I'll be right, I'll be right back, I'll be right back. I'll be right back, I won't be going any far. And that, and that, in that 500 square foot apartment, we really weren't that far away from each other at times. So, so it, was really, it was really one of those moments that was really confusing to me. I mean, that type of question uh, just continued to come. It's actually kind of trickled down to my daughter as well, and, and she's 14 now. And so um, really whenever I'm moving toward her room, she says, where, where are you going? Are you, are you go- going in my room? Are you going in there? You, you, what are you doing in there? And usually it's just so that she can follow me to make sure that I don't, you know, go rifling through things. Our scripture as well begins with this question. Where are you going, Lord? For Peter and the rest of the disciples, let's be clear, their whole world is shifting right before their their eyes. They have come to this Passover meal with Jesus and they got there in this weird way with a donkey and people and whatnot. It's just they got there weird and now they're here and Jesus is now cryptically and specifically talking about his own death. He has taken off most of his clothes and is washing the disciples' feet, which is not something that you normally do at those meals. Then he starts talking after he washes their feet and he's gotten there and we're in this meal. He's like, hey, you know what? One of you guys is not gonna do me right. One of you guys is gonna betray me. And then the guy dips his bread after Jesus dips his bread and he's like, there you go. And, And Judas was like, okay, I'm out. He leaves. 
So the disciples are all looking around at each other and going, wait, what is going on? And then Jesus is like, well, yeah, I gotta go too. I'm leaving. Oh, and by the way, I got this new commandment thing. You should love one another as I have loved you. And Peter, who's astute, who thinks out loud, which is really helpful for us because they captured a lot of that. We can read it. He's like, wait, 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 wait a second, Jesus. Did you just say what I thought you said? Did you just say, where are you going? And Jesus says, well, you can't follow me now, but you can later. Peter protests. No, 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 I'll follow you. I'll follow you wherever, I'm gonna die for you. And then Jesus pro proclaims that Peter is about to deny him three times. It's into this context we walk into the heart of Jesus' I am statement. Where concerned and confused disciples are sitting. And Jesus knows this, so Jesus says these words. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Anybody feel better? Do you think the disciples felt any better? Jesus is, let me, let me, let me bring it into this in our, in our context. See, it's trying to explain to a muggle that Hogwarts is the most amazing and mystical place you'll ever be. It's trying to explain to, um, it's trying to explain to, to a scavenger ah, that, that, that the Jedi are real and they still exist. It's, it's trying to explain to Lakers fans that there's a better team in Northern California. <laughs> yeah, I don't get that one either. That was, if you feel better, let me suggest that it's because of the many times that you've heard or studied or spoken these verses in moments where you have lost direction or the path may seem unclear to you, that you've been reminded of what the gospel is and those words come back to life in your, in your mind and in your heart and that you are perceiving Christ in those moments. See, the problem is these disciples don't have this as a backdrop. This is the first time they are hearing these words. It's like trying to tell people of color, do not worry about what's going on in Charlottesville. It doesn't make sense. I'm concerned about what's going on. And, and I love Thomas in this moment. I, I just love Thomas because he's not afraid to like just put it out there and say clearly what's going on here because, because no one else seems to see it. So Thomas, 
wants to clarify, make it crystal clear what they're asking so that Jesus can respond specifically. Thomas says this, we don't know where you're going. How do we know the way? Jesus, Lord. Jesus is trying to say, do not let your hearts be troubled. He's trying to say this to his troubled disciples. Jesus is trying to explain something of spiritual significance and peace to disciples who are stressed over the Passover, over Judas leaving, the way Jesus has been talking, this death that's happening. What's going on here, Jesus? Jesus is trying to say, do not let your hearts be troubled. See, the disciples are stressed about their jobs and worried about what's next and what their next move is and they're concerned about their finances and they're looking at the news and they're struck with fear because of North Korea and because of Charlottesville and because of Russia and because of taxes and because of immigration and because of, and because of Jesus is trying to say Do not let your hearts be troubled. Into all of that, Jesus responds to Thomas. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's the second compound I am statement that we get. Last week, Greg introduced us to the resurrection and the life, this compound statement. He did a great job of of, of exposing for us that reality in that passage of John 11. Both of these compound I am statements end with life. With life, with living. It's no surprise because John's gospel is full of it. Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus is the door that eventually leads to new life. Jesus has a hand in creating life, in sustaining life, in resurrecting life, in giving abundant life, in protecting life. See, Jesus is that shepherd who is making sure that life happens around us and in us and for us. Jesus is the means or the way that leads one to the truth and life of God. Jesus is also the truth and is the true revelation of God to us. And, and let me just make a statement here. This isn't, your, um, this isn't your Christian zinger, right? This isn't your like, this isn't your Jesus juke. This isn't your back pocket defense for the time you're in a conversation with someone about who Jesus is and who we're supposed to be. This isn't the time where you go, oh, I'm really struggling with this conversation. Well, Jesus said, he, I'm the way and the truth and the life. Deal with that. People who have very little history or connection with Christ find this really hard to hear. 
I would suggest that even we in this space right now have find this a little bit hard to hear. Now, what am I supposed to do with that? These are the words of the gospel, the good news of God. And I think uh, someone else definitely says it better than I. And here I quote pastor and theologian Robert Leatham. He says this, Since God himself is the measure of all truth and Jesus is co-equal with God, he himself is the yardstick or meter stick, depending on where you come from, by which truth was to be measured and understood. Thus, he could say that whoever received his word and had eternal life and was freed from condemnation, having passed from death to life, His teaching had such amazing power since to believe his word was to believe God who had sent him. In short, his word was God's word. Therefore, his word gives life to whoever receives it. These words of Jesus give life to whoever will receive them. Jesus is the life. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is also the way, or technically the road. This is clearly the most important part of this I am statement, as it sets up the rest of verse 6, where Jesus responds, no one comes to the Father but through me. In this statement, we have our answer. Jesus finally says where we're going. We, when we believe, when we stay attached, when we stay connected to the way, we will go to the Father. Our destination is into the presence of God Almighty. The way of Jesus leads to the truth of the Father. The way of Jesus leads to the abundant life of the Father. The way of Jesus always leads to the presence of the Father. This is the answer to the question, where are you going? Not only with God, but in my house as well. The disciples want to be in Jesus' presence. My wife and daughter, they want to be in my presence. Not because I'm so great. Not because I've got something. Because to be quite honest, this week in my house has been a little rough. And most of that is on me. But we figured out a long time ago that we are better together as we. Even if that means that we're sitting next to each other, not speaking. There's a togetherness in that. We, church, are together and we're better when we're together. When we talk about Jesus being the way, I love the way that Maya Angelou talks about it. She says, many things continue to amaze me, even into the sixth decade of my life. I'm startled or taken aback when people walk up to me and tell me that they are Christians. My first response is the question, already? It seems to me a lifelong endeavor to try and live the life of a Christian. 
the idyllic condition cannot be arrived at and held on to eternally, it is in the search itself that one finds the ecstasy. Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. I am the way. Jesus uses analogy to express his true identity. The, the subheading of our, of our series about the true identity of Jesus. The identity of Jesus as the way is a trusted and true expression of God-given abundant life. Let me say that again. Jesus' identity as the way is a trusted and true expression of God-given abundant life. This is mostly about who Jesus is. And in the context of this scripture, it's about who God is. And it's about who you and I are becoming. Our identity as individuals and a church must be. We must be rooted in the way. We must be grounded in the way. We must be connected to the way at all times in all situations because if we leave, if we step away from the way, then we will struggle. We will absolutely struggle with our response to those who are stressed out in their jobs, who are worried about the next move, who are concerned about their finances, are looking at the news and they are struck with fear because of North Korea or Charlottesville or Russia or taxes or immigration or more or more, we will not be able to connect them to the trusted and true expression of God-given abundant life. We will not be able to connect them to Jesus. If we move away from the way, A word about Charlottesville. And I'm so grateful for the help of others in these words. Racism is the opposite of what God intends for humanity. It is a form of idolatry that elevates human-made hierarchies of value over divinely given free grace. Through colonialization and slavery, this country created and continues to embrace a system for devaluing people based on skin color and ethnic identity. This problem has not and will not go away with calls for peace and unity or time. Protests against the removal of monuments to racism will continue What's going on in Charlottesville is not the last, I fear. The continued strain between people of color and law enforcement will continue. The betrayal and anger and fear experienced in the Latino community will continue. My friends who happen to be white and who do not know what to say, that will continue unless we stay attached to the way. These and more are the fruit of an America with deep, deep racist roots. And as long as Goliath continues to yell and scream and Christians continue to scatter, nothing will change. 
Goliath must be confronted, not calmed. Goliath must be fought, not fed. We will be accountable for how we face this movement. Racism, my friends, is not the way. Racism is not the truth. Racism is not the life promised in Jesus. As a friend of mine would say, and has said many times over, ladders are incredibly creative tools. They break up incredible heights into a series of simple steps. A ladder is a way of sorts. A way to get somewhere we could not be, a way to get something we could have never gotten otherwise. I'd love to meet the guy who invented the wheel and the ladder. I think they're, they're right there. I think the wheel seems a little bit more easy. But we can talk about it. We can talk about the heights that we could get to. We can talk about the, the things that we would do. We can talk about the, the places that we would would step into and and shift life and change things and, and do something. We can talk about that, but we have to figure out a way to do something. See, when Jesus says, I am the way, he's saying, I don't want you to go do something. I want you to stay connected to a relationship that's going to change you forever. And so in that, he invites us to stay attached to who he is. So how do we do that? Well, first, you actually have to step over to a ladder. And we've gotta be intentional about going up a ladder, right? You've got to be intentional about engaging in your, in your Christian walk. So I want to give us three things, three things that you can do now that will help us as we walk. First, we've got to be actively developing our knowledge about God in our mind and our experience. We've got to do it in our mind. We've got to learn about who God is. But we've also got to experience God with other people, whether that be serving or caring or loving, holding others, figuring out new ways to do that. We've got to do that. And when we start to do that, guess what changes? Our perspective and our vision. We have to be actively developing overwhelming compassion and appropriate boundaries. Overwhelming compassion, it's because that's what Jesus calls us to, this this love of others. That compassion that, that draws our hearts to see the others around us and reach out. and actually engage their life. I love when we talk about compassion as 
allowing my life to become your life, if only for a second. But we also need appropriate boundaries because sometimes those who are reaching out for help can drag us down. We need to be actively developing skills and gifts. Skills and gifts. So that we can continue to engage other people. So that we can continue to walk with other people in ways that we've never done before. See, God's called us to continue to say something in the midst of difficulty. He's called us to serve the underprivileged. He's called us to love others as we love God. And when we do that, we will have changed our entire perspective. And God will have led us to a place we have never seen before. God will lead you to a place you've never seen yourself before. And some of you are sitting there going, oh my gosh, I hope he doesn't fall. (laughs) That's because some of what I'm talking about is scary if you really do it. church when we stay connected to the way we will go places as a community and as individuals that we never thought we could would you pray with me spirit of living God You have given us these words and this way, this life, this truth about who you are and what you are doing in our midst. God, you have given us a vision of what we can be and who we can be. So God, in your mercy and grace, as we close out today, I pray that you would be working in each and every heart giving us a new perspective, giving us new experiences, giving us new knowledge, giving us a new heart of compassion for others so that we might walk out in this world and be your instruments, showing people the way, showing people the truth, showing people the life. For we pray it in Jesus' name and all God's people said.